Welcome to the StoryGrid Editor Roundtable Podcast. This is a show dedicated to helping you become a better editor. Following the StoryGrid method, developed by Sean Coyne, an editor with over 25 years experience. My name is Kim Kessler, and I'll be your host today. And joining me shortly are four of my fellow certified StoryGrid editors, Anne Holly, Jari Bolander, Leslie Watts, and Valerie Francis. Each week, we watch a movie from one of the 12 content genres and complete a global fool's cap worksheet, then discuss it using the six core questions worksheet. This week, we are discussing the movie Billy Elliot. And I'll give you an overview of the plot in case you haven't seen it. In 1984, Billy Elliot, an 11-year-old from the fictional Ever, excuse me, Everington in County Durham, England, loves to dance and has hopes of becoming a professional ballet dancer. Billy lives with his widowed father, Jackie, and older brother, Tony, both coal miners out on strike, the latter being the union bully, and also his maternal grandmother, who has Alzheimer's disease and once aspired to be a professional dancer. Billy's father sends him to the gym to learn boxing, but Billy dislikes the sport. He happens upon a ballet class that is using the gym while their usual basement studio is temporarily being used as a soup kitchen for the striking miners. Unknown to Jackie, Billy joins the ballet class. When Jackie discovers this, he forbids Billy to take any more ballet. But passionate about dancing, Billy secretly continues lessons with the help of his dance teacher, Sandra Wilkinson. Mrs. Wilkinson believes Billy is talented enough to study at the Royal Ballet School in London, but due to Tony's arrest during a skirmish between police and striking minors, Billy misses the audition. Mrs. Wilkinson tells Jackie about the missed opportunity, but fearing that Billy will be considered to be gay, both Jackie and Tony are outraged at the prospect of him becoming a professional ballet dancer. Over Christmas, Billy learns that his friend Michael is gay. Although Billy is not, he is supportive of his friend. Later, Jackie catches Billy dancing in the gym and realizes his son is truly gifted. He resolves to do whatever it takes to help Billy attain his dream. Mrs. Wilkinson tries to persuade Jackie to let her pay for the audition, but he replies that Billy is his son and he does not need charity. Jackie attempts to cross the picket line to pay for the trip to London, but Tony stops him. Instead, his fellow miners and the neighborhood raise some money and Jackie pawns Billy's Billy's mother's jewelry to cover the cost, and Jackie takes him to the London audition. Although very nervous, Billy performs well, but he punches another boy in frustration at the audition, fearing that he has ruined his chances of attaining his dream. He is sternly rebuked by the review board, but when asked what it feels like when he is dancing, he describes it as being like electricity. Seemingly rejected, Billy returns home with his father. Sometime later, the Royal Ballet School sends him a letter telling him he has been accepted, and he leaves home to attend. Fourteen years later, in 1998, Billy takes the stage to perform The Swan in Matthew Bourne's Swan Lake, as Jackie, Tony, and Michael watch from the audience. Okay, so if you haven't seen the movie, obviously we highly suggest it because it is very fulfilling and rewarding. And so what we're going to do now is we will go through our six core questions and... um, and kind of just get a good feel for how this movie stacks up um, when it comes to the story grid. So, Anne, if you'll start us off and tell us about the global genre. So if you could go over maybe some of the external genre and the internal genre, and then ultimately which one of those genres takes the global genre spot. Well, we chose the movie 
because it seems on the surface to be a performance genre story, and I would argue that that is its global genre. Um, the performance genre runs from shame to respect, uh, typically, sometimes backwards. In this case, definitely from shame to respect. The spectrum, though, of values is best embodied by Billy's father. He's the coal miner. Um, and he has such traditional values, he's ashamed of his son's love for ballet, afraid he's going to seem gay. Um, but eventually he gets to the point where he respects uh, Billy's dancing, and it's the huge payoff in the story. Um, Billy's arc, he, he does eventually earn social and artistic respect, but he's almost untouched by shame at any point in the story, which I think <coughs> argues for his arc, his internal story being a res, uh, status admiration. He never wavers from his dream of being a dancer or gives up his um, his internal value of dancing. Um, but I also need to point out, because it's really strong in this movie, there is a parallel external genre. I know we're only supposed to pick one. But it does seem to me to be a society genre centered on the coal miners' strike, because without that strike, the story would be merely really soppy and sentimental. But with it, you have the value of power and impotence, and that's clearly represented also by Billy's father and brother, who start out, you know, they're powerfully on strike in the very first scene we see this, the police lining up to battle the, you know, the, the, the force of authority lining up to battle these striking coal miners. Um, but at, by the end, the union has caved in and Billy's father and brother go back to work, kind of impotently just go back down into the mines. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Did anyone else um, have a different take on the internal genre? Um, uh, yeah, I did. I did. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, I think uh, Jari and, and uh, I are probably going to say something very similar. Um, I have for the internal genre, I see it as uh, worldview education because I focused on, I don't disagree with what Anne said about the society plot and, and um, the situation with the minors, but I think that's a subplot and it's more in the background. I focused more on Billy um, and his journey as the protagonist. And in the beginning of the story, he's really searching for meaning. Um, basically, he's doing what he's been taught to do, which is go to boxing and so forth, which he hates. And, of course, he's lost his mother, and he's really waffling. By the end of the movie, however, he found his passion. He has found something to give his life joy and meaning. So that's why I went with worldview education, because it's his shift. The shift is in his view of life from meaningless, having lost the mother he loves and having no real passion in life, to meaning and finding his passion in dance. Jari, would you agree with that, or do you have another another view? No, that that's exactly what I thought as well. I mean, this is such a, a powerful story of Billy being completely dedicated to, to following his passion, but not really knowing what that is, and, and really feeling horrible that no one gets it. So his life, he feels... You know, as Valerie said, meaningless. And yeah, I I agree. I mean, I, you know, Anne's Anne's take on it is is just as valid. I mean, there's there's just a lot. This is such a wonderful movie um, when it comes to all those, um, you know, society and performance. And I mean, it, it it's hard to pick just one. But yeah, I I also looked at it from Billy's perspective uh, and to see how he 
was going to move through the story and like he was dedicated he just needed to really find the meaning within himself so yeah i, mm-hmm. I agree i agree with uh, valerie Awesome. Okay, so that sounds really interesting because Anne had mentioned status admiration, which was like this core, you know, he's a principled person who won't give up. But it's awesome because if I apply that to what Jari and Valerie saying, it's like he always was this person, but he just didn't know where to attach it to, right? Like he didn't know, you know, he's dedicated to his family, but then he finds this passion. So he, so it's, I can see how those two are very interwoven in the story where his internal strength that he has he learns where to apply it by finding dance. So I can see why those definitely both both resonated in this in this film. So awesome. Was there okay, Anne, was there anything else you wanted to add to global genre? I think that covers it, except to comment that I think we tend to personally find internal genres in stories that are more closely related to ourselves. Sean has talked about Mm -hmm. this on the podcast and I certainly have a very strong preference for status admiration plots. Um so yeah, I think this is. I think people will find as they apply these rules that, um, or these analytical tools, I should say, that we're going to vary on these things, and it reveals sometimes more about ourselves than about the movie or the mm-hmm. book. <laughs> yeah, that's very interesting, and I would wholeheartedly agree because I certainly, certainly do. I agree with you. I do love a status admiration plot. <laughs> They're one of my favorites. Um, okay, so. Valerie, if you would walk us through the obligatory scenes and conventions and how those broke down in this movie. Uh, Kim, when you were reading the introduction to uh, the summary of the movie, the thing that really struck me was that that summary, which I think you got from Wikipedia, is hitting Mm -hmm. all of the obligatory scenes and conventions. It was so much fun to listen to that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It was fun to read. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So the inciting incident opportunity, and of course I'm taking these from the uh, cheat sheet that we got uh, in Nashville. The inciting incident opportunity is when Mrs. Wilkinson, the dance teacher, gives Billy the ballet shoes and and tells him to join uh, in with her class. The protagonist sidesteps responsibility to perform. Um, After Billy sees his brother, Tony, being beaten by police and arrested, Billy misses the first audition to the Royal Ballet School. Uh, in Newcastle. In fact, he's at the court with Tony and doesn't even meet Mrs. Wilkinson as agreed. And that leads to the next one. Forced to perform, the the protagonist lashes out. So after after Billy is shaken, uh, Billy's shaken after he sees his father and brother fighting. And that scene leads right into the next rehearsal with Mrs. Wilkinson. And they're in a boxing ring, and she is trying to get him to, I think he's doing pirouettes, and he keeps falling, and she's yelling at him, saying that he hasn't been practicing. So when she forces him to stand up, and she keeps saying, do it again, do it again, he screams back at her and refuses, and says, I'm, I'm not doing it, and he runs out of the, um, the rehearsal room into the change room, where they actually have an even bigger argument. And later, after, um, after the incident in the courthouse, um, Mrs. Wilkinson comes to Billy's home to find out what happened to him and why he missed the audition. And this is when Tony finds out he's been dancing. And, of course, he has a fit. Tony actually puts Billy up on the kitchen table and yells at him to dance. And, of course, he doesn't then. But um, there's a really great dance sequence that follows. It's a great t- transitional scene. 
Um, the next obligatory scene is discovering and understanding what the antagonist object of desire is. Now, the antagonist, I think the main antagonist is Billy's father, Jackie. Um, Tony is certainly an antagonist as well, but he's like, um, he's the same kind of antagonist as Billy's father. He's like another father figure, in fact. So, um, Billy, uh, so shortly after, when, when, when Jackie discovers that Billy has been dancing, um, there's a scene right after that where they're in the, uh, their kitchen, and it's Billy and his father and grandmother having a meal. And this is when Jackie actually outlines his objection for dancing. He says it's for girls, and boys do things like boxing and wrestling. And again, it's, he is afraid that either Billy is gay or that people will think he's gay. And um, he also throws in the fact that it's costing them money, 50p, which during a strike is um, a, a lot of money, especially when they're having to do things like break up the uh, piano for uh, firewood to keep them warm during the winter. And he's certainly not going to put that money out for dancing lessons, but he'll find it for boxing lessons. So Billy doesn't agree with this, obviously, um, and he screams at his father, um, but he does at least know where his father is coming from. Next, uh, the protagonist, realizing he, must change, uh, realizing he must change his approach to salvage some form of honor, reaches an all-is-lost moment. I think the all-is-lost moment is when Billy finally does go to the ballet school audition. Um, he has um, he's punched another little boy, and he's sitting in the room in front of the board of, I can't forget, five or seven uh, jurists who um, are asking him all these questions. And he can tell by their, um, their body language um, that they are not particularly impressed with either Billy or his father. And Billy just knows that's it. You know, he, he either didn't dance well enough, he um, acted out against this other little boy, he knows he's just lost it. Um, and then he changes his approach when they ask him, why does he want to dance? And this is the speech that Kim talked about earlier where he, he says it's like electricity going through him. And this is the first time that he's actually been so honest with himself or anyone else as to why he loves to dance so much. It just feels so good. And this is a total, totally different approach than he's had uh, so far in the movie. The big event or performance, of course, is Billy's performance of Swan Lake at the very end of his film when his father and brother have come to London to see him, and Michael, of course, is also there. The protagonist is rewarded at least on one level of satisfaction, extra-personal, personal, or inner. And I think Billy's actually rewarded on all three. He's found inner happiness and peace through his dance. Uh, his father and brother are proud of him and the larger world. Um, and, of course, Michael is proud of him, but Michael is proud uh, anyway. And on the extra-personal level, the world generally, the dance school, the audience in the theater, all love his dancing skill. So the conventions. Uh, training, of course, you see there are many, many scenes there with um, Billy and Mrs. Wilkinson in dance lessons uh, in the group, in the dance school, and also then one-on-one -on -one when she's preparing for his audition. There is an explicit all-is-lost moment that I just mentioned uh, a few minutes ago. Um, the mentor recovers moral compass or betrays the protagonist to act out perceived victimhood. Of all of the obligatory scenes and conventions, this is the one that I felt I had to sort of 
stretch the most for. Um, and I said it was when, uh, after Billy misses the first audition for the dance school, Mrs. Wilkinson comes to his home uh, to talk to Billy's father and brother. And this is the very thing that Billy asked her not to do. In fact, he asked her twice not to do it, and she said she wouldn't do it. Um, so that's what I said was the, the betraying the protagonist part. Um, the power divide between the antagonist and protagonist is wide and deep. Well, of course, it's between Billy, an 11-year-old boy who's not even old enough to get a job and do anything for himself, and his father and father figure, his brother. Um, it's a total patriarchal family. The, uh, the father, Jackie and Tony, have all of the power in the family. Billy has none. It's a huge divide and takes quite a lot for Billy to, to speak up against them. The ironic ending. The protagonist wins and loses or loses and wins. Well, Billy does win because he's been accepted to the dance school, of course, and he's become uh, a dance, a star in the dance community. But the loss, you know, that meant having to leave his family, his community, his best friends, um, and everything that was familiar to him. So while he did win in terms of being able to dance, he lost because he had to leave everything that was familiar and go into a whole new world. Excellent. Um, That's an excellent yeah. overview. Um, I wanted to know if anyone else marked a different all is lost moment or if everyone agrees that it was at the when he feels like he lost the audition. Did anyone else have a different all is lost moment? I thought there were two, one for Billy and one for his father, but I totally agree that that was Billy's. Okay. Well, tell us about about Billy's father's. Oh, it's at Christmas when he breaks down crying because he 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 has to <coughs> he has to break up his dead wife's piano to put wood in the fireplace to keep them warm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Leslie Ajari, did either of you have a different all is lost? I didn't. Okay. No, I think you guys you nailed it. Awesome. Okay. So. Valerie, if you would also talk to us about what is the POV or is there a narrative device that is used? Okay, so the, the point of view is primarily Billy's. Um, there are some scenes from Jackie and Tony's point of view, but there's not many of them. And they mostly serve to move the plot along. For example, uh, when Jackie, I think he's in, a, he's in a store, it might be a supermarket, I can't remember now, and the boxing coach comes to him and says, you know, I, I don't mind that he stopped boxing, but, you know, I really missed the 50p. And Jackie finds out that Billy hasn't been going to boxing. So it, it, it does give us a little bit of insight into Jackie, but it's primarily to move the main plot along. Mm-hmm. Um, in the Story Grid book, uh, in part three, Sean says that the global genre dictates the point of view choice. So, and I think this movie does that because it's a performance genre and Billy is, is the main character, and he's the one that we're following. He's the one with the performance. He's the one with the shift on all three levels of conflict. Um, it makes total sense that the movie would stick with Billy 90% of the time, maybe even 90, 95% of the time. Um, now, I did have a question when I was going through this, because, of course, as story good editors, we're going to be dealing primarily with novels. Um, although the, the theory applies to any form of story. But I wondered, when I got to narrative device, I thought, I wonder how that would play out in 
a film or does it play out in a film? So, of course, the only resource I had to go to was Robert McKee's story. So um, on page 364 of story, he talks about point of view within the story. And I'm just going to read a very short bit of it. Um, you know, you, people can read the full thing if they want to. He says, it enhances the telling to style the whole story from the protagonist's point of view. To discipline yourself to the protagonist, make him the center of your imaginative universe, and bring the whole story, event by event, to the protagonist. Um, the audience witnesses events only as the protagonist encounters them. This clearly is the far more difficult way to tell story. The easy way is to hopscotch through time and space, picking up bits and pieces to facilitate exposition. But this makes story sprawl and lose tension. Like limited setting, genre convention, and controlling idea, shaping a story from the exclusive point of view of the protagonist is a creative discipline. It taxes the imagination and demands your very best work. The result is a tight, smooth, memorable character and story. The more time spent with the character, the more opportunity to witness his choices. The result is more empathy and emotional involvement between audience and character. So I thought that hit the nail on the head for this movie because we are following Billy primarily. We do, we totally get where Jackie and, and Tony are coming from. Um, so we can empathize with them as well, but mostly we're rooting for Billy. To, to heck with the money, they'll find the money. Let's get to school, right? <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, that's how, what I came up with for that. Awesome. Thank you for that addition. That's wonderful. You're welcome. So, Jari, will you talk us through the objects of, devi- of desire, a.k.a. the wants and needs for this movie? Yeah, sure. So um, I-, I took a look at it from, you know, Billy's perspective, the protagonist. And, I mean, it's pretty clear what Billy wants to do. He wants to dance. He wants to find meaning in his life. Um, I think kind of the, the best... Uh, counter to that is when I think someone mentioned when uh, his dad sits him in the in the room and they're all talking about stuff and I think to me this is the best line in the movie and he's like ballet boys don't do ballet you know <laughs> which I love and it makes me laugh every time um, and then you know when when his when his uh, when his brothers uh, I think says something like why why you want to do ballet they'll think you're a puff or something like that which <laughs> right right which is you know, he, all he wants to do is dance. He doesn't care. You know, his, his passion, his meaning in life, he's finally found it. And there's all these people like battling against it. Oh, you should box. You should be a coal miner, you know, and, and, and you just, you see this constantly throughout the movie where he is, he is in this world and it's a, you know, (laughs) he, he's just sort of going through it going, yeah, I'm going to dance. I'm going to dance. You know, I don't know what's, what's wrong with everyone else. And, what what's really interesting is throughout this whole anytime he's outside i mean the police are there that whole sub plot of the the striking and the society and all that and and he just is just like yeah i'm just going to go you know <laughs> dance so um he that's what that's in my opinion what he really wants and then i think i think for him his his need um I mean, it's the acceptance of society. It's acceptance of his community that, hey, this is something I'm good at. I want to pursue it. Um, So he just wants to be accepted for who he is. 
Uh, and, you know, his, uh, his friend who comes out as, as being a puff, quote unquote, um, mm-hmm. I think is the same way. And there's a really, you know, there's a couple of really wonderful scenes in there where, where, you know, his friend is sort of conflicted about telling him that he's gay. Um, and Billy just handles it in a very loving way. And, and, you know, again, Billy doesn't doesn't change in terms of his you know he's just like this is what i want to do i mean i just got to figure out how to do it i got to learn how to dance better you know he's just really like this is going to find meaning in my life so um yeah just really really a wonderful wonderful movie as we all know awesome thank you and then also go ahead and tell us about the controlling idea and the theme yeah i mean if for me, I, th- I think it's this, you know, follow your heart and passion, uh, even if society is against you or your family. I mean, it's clear that, that in that part of England and coal miner country where everyone's tough and rumble and they smoke and drink and get in fights and they're striking. And I mean, you know, everyone's just beating the police and the police are chasing them. I mean, there's a great scene where the police are chasing his brother through like all these houses and it's just like. It's almost like Benny Hill, you know? It's like, oh, my mm-hmm. God. It's like a comedy of errors. But, you know, in the end, they catch him. But, you know, it, it, it's – and I think part of that's, like, the battle against, look, um, really what I think they're trying to say in this movie is if you want to find meaning in your life, uh, you got to follow your passion, and then you got to be disciplined and work hard to make sure that you get the opportunities to do it. Um, and, and, you know, every time I see this movie, it's it just, it, it, it just knocks me in the gut by how powerful that message is. And yeah, so I think that's, that's for me, uh, the controlling idea or theme. Awesome. Did anyone else want to take a stab at it? Did anyone else have a, have a different controlling idea or theme? I don't have, um, this Leslie, I don't have a, uh, a different one or I, you know, I don't disagree but just a couple of things that I wanted to add because they to me they sort of um bear out this uh the idea that you know we gain respect when we commit to expressing our gifts unconditionally and that there's the letter from his mom that Billy opens he's He's not supposed to open it till he's 18, but he opens it and memorizes it. And the central message there is always be yourself. Yeah, Uh, that's that's a great. Yeah, that's a good catch. That's that's a beautiful. That is a really beautiful scene. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, (laughs) what a gift that she gave him, because. I'm wondering, like, if that weren't the case, then, you know, would he have been so strong? Mm-hmm. Um, but then there's also the Swan Lake story that mm-hmm. Mrs. Wilkinson tells Billy, and they, it, it's just, it really struck me because it's, you know, it's the, the, Girl is captured by the evil magician and forced to be a swan, except for a few hours each night when she becomes a she becomes real, and that that's the um you know like that's Billy's experience mm-hmm. um, 
And that, you know, he asks, well, what happens? Well, you know, there's a prince. She meets a prince and he promises to marry her. But then he goes after someone else and she dies. Um, (laughs) and and, And the prince never loved her. So he, like... Clearly a cautionary tale, right? But <laughs> right. Um, I love how he just dismisses that. That's just the ghost story and mm-hmm. moves on. Mm-hmm. But I think it like it contributes to the ideas that are kind of moving around and points of view on should you express who you really are mm-hmm. or should you not? And right, oh, and just one other thing, that the moment when... Um, when Jackie, Billy's dad, you know, he gets on the bus to become a scab mm-hmm. and then Tony gets him off and, you know, gets him out of there. And they're just having this moment where he's like, you know, we're Jackie says we're done. Like there's mm-hmm. no meaning for life for us. But Billy has a chance. And so let's give this to him. And so it's like that. um I get a little, this story is so amazing, but um, the <laughs> just that yeah that sacrifice that's made for on Billy's behalf with them, you know, and that's their take on this idea that you you know that you should express yourself. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Thank you, Leslie, for adding that. I love it. So, moving on to the next question is, what is the beginning hook, middle build, and ending payoff? And, Leslie, can you break that down for us? Yes, I can. We'll see, how, see how it goes. It was really hard to break them, you know, to really uh, break them into one sentence each, so I, I overflow a little. But beginning hook is... Billy discovers his passion for dance and joins a dance class. But when his father discovers him, he must decide whether to follow his father's rules or follow his passion. Mm -hmm. Middle build. Billy's teacher gives him private lessons to prepare for an audition with the Royal Ballet, but he misses the local audition. When his father catches him, um, and sees Billy perform and has a change of heart, he must decide how to pay for Billy to get to the audition in London. Okay. And then ending payoff, Billy goes to the audition, but when he hits another boy out of frustration, his place seems lost unless he can answer the board's questions adequately. The Royal Ballet accepts him, and we see him in a performance as a very successful dancer with his family in the audience. Awesome. Thank you. What I love about the way that you phrase those is you really bring the crisis to a head um, in each of those sentences, you know, in each of those summaries, which is, I don't know, I don't know, a very compelling way to describe it rather than just this is what happens. (laughs) You really capture the, the decision that must be made. So I love that. Thank you. Thank you. I think so, that is vital. Yeah. To yeah. the right. Cause stories are about change. So that's mm-hmm. kind of that. That's where we want to bring our attention. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. To those crisis moments and how the protagonist responds is what makes it 
one genre versus another, right? Like whether they succeed or fail is going to be based on how they how they um, react to the crisis. Mm-hmm. So, Anne, will you talk us through? We wanted to do. Um, we wanted to, in every movie that we watch, we always want to bring up um, what this is a good example of. So, if there's a special scene in here that this is a good example, or maybe an outstanding trope, or a clear tie into other genres. So, Anne, if you'll just kind of walk us through what you thought Billy Elliot is a good example of. Well, first of all, the first thing that, that struck me as I was thinking about this is that this is so close to a musical style genre that it's not at all surprising that a few years later it was actually turned into a big uh, London and Broadway musical theater hit. Um, mm-hmm. So just in terms of that lower left-hand leaf of the genre clover that we don't talk too much about, it, it does almost impinge on the musical. Um, Jari mentioned the Benny Hill scene. It's a real mm-hmm. trope, of, uh, especially in English dramas, where you have those conjoined backyards and people hanging their laundry out, that running through the laundry. I've seen that <laughs> scene in any number of uh, usually funny um, uh, stories, and I thought it, went, it was done particularly well in this one. Um, one thing that I just wanted to call out, and I don't know whether I'm talking about story structure here or cinematic <laughs> directorial choices or whatever, but the end... The entrance into the magical world, in this case when Billy and his dad go to the Royal Ballet, is just visually so striking and so gorgeous with those lacy, ethereal railings and the girls in their graceful ballet costumes compared to this rough, harsh world that they've come from. It was just visually gorgeous. It was really well done. And I think for writers, I mean, that, that sort of thing can still be evoked, um, obviously, in mm-hmm. words, but it was especially well done visually. Um, there were two moments that I thought in Jackie's uh, downward arc, the father, that that seemed to come straight out of Dickens, and, the, and one of them was breaking up the piano at Christmas to to burn for firewood. I mean, it was could have been right out of Charles Dickens. Um, mm-hmm. This horrible poverty and having to make this hard choice, and and the other one related to that was when he pawns her jewelry at this kind of seedy pawn shop in a seedy part of the town that they live in. And um, let's see, the other, the other thing that I just thought was interesting, is variation on a typical performance story structure, is that the obligatory big scene, big event scene, that, that key event in a performance story, happens in the final minute of the film. And there is no denouement afterwards except the closing credits. You, you mm-hmm. are just taken to that height and then just boom, you're left to have that cathartic moment by yourself. It was very mm-hmm. powerful. It's an interesting choice, and it kind of broke a couple of quote-unquote rules of movie structure. Um, so those were some of the sort of choices that I thought were interesting that connect the movie to other stories and that also kind of disconnect it from some of the standards in the in the performance area. Awesome. Did anyone else have anything they wanted to add about things that were specifically good examples to them or that struck them that stood out? Yeah, I did. Um, Anne a couple of times has mentioned the all is lost moment for Billy's dad. And I completely agree with what she's saying there. Um, and I just, I thought that was fascinating. It made the story much richer because we're able to empathize with the dad as well. And I actually, when I was going through um, my uh, full scap. I had that as the crisis of the middle of the uh, middle build, um, and I thought, what a great 
way to to bring a story into the ending payoff, to have the antagonist have an all-is-lost moment that helps the protagonist. And, and his all-is-lost moment is how, how do I ultimately help the protagonist? Because that's all Jackie wants to do is what's best for his son. But it's a best bad choice, right? Because which is best for his son? So I just, um, I, I really, really enjoyed that part of the, the story because it just, it's, it, Yes, this is a performance genre, and yes, it's about Billy, but the antagonist, who is the dad, also has a bunch of dimensions and, and several layers, and is just as interesting a character. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's what Anne was saying about when the how it's a society, you know, the society plot um, is is very strong, and that's kind of really what drives the antagonist is the society stuff, right? All the the power. Um, with the coal miners and the strike, and then within the family unit itself. So I think that um, it's just really interesting to see, like, how the antagonist is his father that loves him, right? Like, who wants what's best for him within his limited point of view that he can tell, right? And just how he grows. So Exactly. So, so much fun. So let's see if there's, what else we need to wrap up. Um, Did anyone have anything else they wanted to add about the, about the story? We good? Okay. Well, this is that the quietest is, we've ever been, this, right? That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> I know. We're officially recording now, so it is definitely different. <laughs> good job, everyone watching your P's and Q's. That was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much from all of us here at the Story Grid Editor Roundtable Podcast, and we will see you next week.